Welcome to A Life That Lasts. I am your host, Kendall Keeler, author of Your Last 24, a book about courageously facing death. I'm here with my friend, Nancy Angle, a mom, a grandma, a writer, and a cancer warrior. Together, we are discussing each chapter of my book and interviewing various guests who can provide helpful perspectives on this often avoided topic of death. You can find lots more information about us, the podcast, and my book at kendallkeeler.com. That's spelled K-E-N-D-A-L-L-K-E-E-L-E-R.com. Hi, courageous friends. I'm Nancy Angle, and this is episode number two of the podcast. It's Sunday, the 6th of December, 2020, as we record this. Today, we'll be discussing chapter one of Kendall's book titled, Our One, Death is Uncomfortable. Yes, Nancy, it is true. Death is uncomfortable. Why do you think that's true? Death occurs every day, somewhere in the world. Every newspaper lists obituaries every day. now that you mention obituaries, I just have to tell you that since... The diagnosis that I received, I read the obituaries. We get the Sunday paper. So every Sunday, that is one of the first things I look at. And why is that? And I've even shed tears Mm -hmm. over people I don't even know. Well, because maybe their situation is similar to mine. Yeah. I look for people who are younger and it just, why do I do that? I, I feel like it kind of helps me feel like I'm not alone, mm. that I can do this. Mm. Um, that may yeah. seem silly, but when I was expecting my first child and I was nearing delivery date, I was uh-huh. getting a little concerned. Yeah. How does this work? Yeah. <laughs> and I comforted myself with the fact that millions of women uh-huh. have g- given birth and have lived to tell the tale. Yeah. So, it doesn't exactly apply to right, death. Right. However, many people have walked this journey, and yeah. I can too, yeah, with God's yeah. help. I think I'm similar in regards to funerals. I mm. enjoy, I mean, it sounds so strange, but I enjoy going to funerals because the stories that the family oh, shares, goodness, yes. it, it gives me a sense of hope mm-hmm. saying, wow, if this person in their lifetime was able to have that big of an impact on someone else's life. Mm-hmm. Wow, it gives it gives me hope in a sense of what I'm doing today, as long as it is other focused and mm-hmm. generous focused and, and seeking to be a blessing, other people w- may look on my life and say, wow, you know, it was... I'm glad that person lived, which you everybody hopes for that, you know, at some point. <laughs> and that's the whole gist of your book. Yeah. yeah really. Yeah. Leaving a legacy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to be getting into this chapter here called Death is Uncomfortable. And I wonder, Nancy, why is it that death is so uncomfortable? I mean, as we said, it happens every day. Why wouldn't it be just normal. We get used to it. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? The answer that resonates with me is that we are a spirit being. Mm. And our spirits are created as eternal beings. Mm-hmm. And so 
in my spirit, I don't feel as old as I really am. Mm -hmm. I could tell you, you know, you'd probably laugh if you hear, I feel like I'm 35 or mm -hmm. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Because our spirits don't really age. Yeah. They are made to live forever. So I Amen. feel like Amen. death is a shock in that regard because part of us will live forever. Yeah. Um, I, that's that's my thought on the yeah. matter. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if it's that's it's similar to what we feel as we age or even just this morning at, at church, our pastor was commenting that it's already December and the year's almost over and wow, didn't this year go fast? And right. I wonder if for people, I would say most people, when they look back on their life, mm -hmm. how whatever age they are, they're mm -hmm. saying, wow, isn't it going fast? Now, granted, if they're younger, I remember being younger and you're wanting it to go faster than what it is. You know, I can't wait till I'm 16. I can't wait till whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think I do think I agree with you about that that idea that that um when we when we look back when we when we think about death being uncomfortable, it's because we're not designed to we're almost surprised, I guess, is what I'm hearing you say. We, we recognize, wow, I'm older than what I thought. Death, uh, I wasn't designed for death. Yeah. I, that's very true. Our bodies are, but not our spirits. Yeah, yeah. So, Nancy, you recently experienced the birth of a grandchild, another grandchild, and that... Uh, again, is something that people might think, well, that's normal. Everybody, people are born every day. So what's the big deal, right? <laughs> is that how you're feeling about a oh, grandchild? no. <laughs> <laughs> Every grandchild is fabulous. This is number six for us. And um, yeah, it, so it is a big deal. It doesn't feel normal yet. No, no, no. <laughs> well, and I think about this. Okay, so I haven't had that experience yet, and I look forward to it. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how that experience, since I haven't had it, how has that affected your view on death? Does that make this idea that someday we're going to die, we all know that, in light of having a grandchild or multiple grandchildren, when a grandchild is born, does that make you feel less like death is uncomfortable or more that death is uncomfortable? I mean, I know for me personally, when my children do other things that I'm proud of or mm -hmm. thankful for, there are times where I have this sense of Wow. Okay. They're doing all right. I guess if I'm not here, they're going to be fine. You know, you did a good job. Right. Yeah. Well, that, and so I'm curious, the birth of a grandchild, how has that impacted your view of death Oh my! and it's uncomfortableness or more comfortableness? Right. Uh, it's a little of both. How's that for an answer? Yeah. Because yeah. I have more reasons to want to be here. Mm, sure. I, I'm a normal grandma. My prayer is for as much time with these little people as possible. Mm -hmm. My fear is that some of them won't remember me. Mm. That's just being honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my goal now is to do as much with them as I'm able mm -hmm. while I have the opportunity. And that's really how we should view life. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, so... That part is uncomfortable, but I love knowing that 
there is a legacy. And I am trusting God. I'm trusting my children and my grandchildren into God's hands. I mean, as a grandma, you can only do so much. Just like right. as a dad, yeah. Yeah. you can only do so much. So it is a good step of faith. Say, God, you've got this. Yeah. And if you call me home, you will take care of them. Absolutely. it's good. That's a good place to find peace, even in the midst of that uncomfortableness when it occurs. Peace is the goal. Yeah. <laughs> now, Kendall, in this chapter, you referenced the movie Karate Kid. Yeah. And describe the feelings related to death, like standing on a wobbling canoe. Right. Why did you like choose... Like Daniel-san. <laughs> I didn't see the movie. Oh, you haven't watched that movie? Okay. <laughs> so... Oh, it's a good movie. I highly recommend it. <laughs> okay. So why did you choose this illustration? And I'm wondering why you use the word instability to describe death. Well, I... Since you haven't watched the movie, I'll I'll just take a moment to describe the scene. I describe it in the book a little bit. Yeah. But for anybody who's listening to the podcast, if you haven't watched the movie Karate Kid, it's not like the best movie ever, but it's a great illustration when you see this, this coach who's teaching this young man self-defense. He, he was kind of a nervous, uh, a, a young man who needed a sense of, confidence and and how to deal with a bully that he was facing in his life and so Mr. Miyagi during his training takes him out into a wide open lake has him stand on the edge of a canoe with one foot on each edge of the canoe and he's he's trying to train him how to balance even in the midst of difficult circumstances so um the reason I use the word instability to describe death is because for me personally, when when I experience someone close to me dying, the different times that has happened over the years, or even when I think about my own death, the one of the greatest feelings I personally have is a sense of instability. Like, there's a lot I don't know. Um, I was talking to a lady who was... Um, She's in her senior years. I think she's in her late 80s. And she was telling me, you know, it's as a believer, I'm not afraid of dying. Mm-hmm. It's just the process of getting to heaven. I'm I'm a little nervous about how, I, what that's. I agree 100%. <laughs> I've said that. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so that's why I use the word instability is because just for me personally and when I've talked to other people, I find that that's one of the greatest senses that people have. Um, now, would you say that that, um, that that word is similar to you? Would you use a, a similar word? Or maybe there's another movie that you would reference um, <laughs> that that you would think of. Um, well, it's you used this word just a minute ago. Yeah. You said it's unknown. Mm-hmm. And I describe what you're talking about feeling unstable because what I'm facing is unknown. And, you know, you could think of any crisis in our lives uh, if we're facing the loss of a loved one, Mm -hmm. loss of health, a loss of a livelihood, a loss of a friendship. Yeah, It all leads to an unknown path. Yeah, And that brings a feeling of instability. So it's all kind of connected. And that feeling can almost be described like, PTSD feeling, Um, walking that journey, feeling so jolted and Mm -hmm. unable to get your footing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So when I received that very unpleasant diagnosis, right, right. one way that I processed all my feelings and my beliefs was to write a blog. I'd been mm. wanting to yeah. write, and yeah. this was just like, okay, I'm going to write it for yeah. my sake. Good for you. As That's much great. as anybody yeah. else. Yeah. And so it's my prayer that, um, that as people read it, that they will find some sense of hope and encouragement. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, if somebody wants to connect with that blog and read your journey, what? how do they... How do they access that? It's very simple. It is the address is n for Nancy Jane Journey dot blogspot dot com. Okay. And yeah. so it's easy That's to find. That's pretty straightforward. I wrote mostly in that first year. Yeah. A lot because I was processing so so much. So sure. I just pray that it would be helpful. Yeah. To someone else going yeah. through a crisis. Yeah. So now, you asked me about a movie. Yeah. Well, did you watch? You said you told me you didn't watch the movie Karate Kid, no. so that illustration didn't work too well for you. Maybe no. there's an illustration, a movie illustration that would work better for the Is folks that are listening here. Killer, seriously? <laughs> are you a movie buff? No, but there is a movie of all movies, The Lord of the Rings. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now tell me what part of that would stand out to you the most. Well, when, oh, so many parts mean a lot to me, but thinking of death, yeah, I think of the scene with Frodo uh -huh. getting on the boat yes. to go to unknown lands. Mm, yeah. He's saying goodbye to his friends. He knows that he will not be returning. Right, yeah. It's, it's not a return trip. Yeah. And you can tell he's sad to leave. But you can see the excitement in mm. his face. Yeah. It's that blend yeah. of facing the unknown with courage and a sense of destiny. Yeah. So yeah. that's what yeah. yeah. that's what speaks to me. And and how cool that it's also getting on a boat. At least the illustration oh, works. I Canoe and a boat. You're so good, that's Kendall. good. That's good. <laughs> now you say that the invasion of death brings a multitude of questions, fears, and uncertainties. Yeah, that's a that's a quote directly from chapter one there. Um, so what are some examples of those that you have experienced? Oh, multiple questions. <laughs> yes, multiple questions have come into my mind when, when it comes to death. Um, we all have tons of questions, you know, there's there's the practical questions like you know what's going to happen to my family will they be financially cared for um there are questions of um how will this whole you know medical questions like have i have i written things down right that i you know my wishes yes, and those yes. kinds of things that's important yeah um, there are, there are a lot of questions and it's interesting. Some people that, that pick up my book and they hear that it's a book about death or preparing for death. They often think, well, those must be the things Kendall's going to talk about, oh. you know? And no, that's for me, it's much more of let's ask ourselves the right questions related to death. I mean, I know some of the questions that have come into my mind related to death that I found unhealthy. And we'll talk about these in even more detail later is, uh, questions that are questioning death itself. Like, why in the world does it even have to happen? Um, why do I have to put up with this? What? You're asking why questions. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we'll talk later uh, in one of our future chapters about mm -hmm. 
why, why questions are yes. probably not the best questions to be asking. Right. But definitely fears. I mean, there's all kinds of fears and uncertainties that come into our mind. Um, how about you, Nancy? Any particular uh, thing that I didn't mention that you would want to add in there that are key? I, well, we already talked about it. What your elderly friend said, the process, it's the process of getting to death. I am not, I have no fear of crossing mm -hmm. over. Um, it's getting to that point. Right. That there would be some fear. Sure. But that's where we talk with our family. We make mm -hmm. plans. We're clear yeah. with our wishes. So yeah. um, it's good it, to talk about our questions and fears. It is. And uncertainties. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say for anybody listening to this podcast, if you have particular questions that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, we would love to have your input. Um, send us an email. Um and just just let us know what what are things that questions that you might have related to death um, or questions related to my book or Nancy's blog that you would love to have us discuss. We, we yes. want this to be a conversation with you, not just between Nancy and I. This is our exactly. invitation to have you participate with us um, in, in the conversation. Yes. So now, Nancy, in my book. Um, I, I comment that there is nothing about death that is predictable except one thing, mm -hmm. and that's the reality that it will one day occur. Now, you having received a cancer diagnosis, would you agree with that statement? Does that resonate yes, with you? It certainly does. As a matter of fact, one of my best memories from these past years was right when I was diagnosed, I have a friend who is now with Jesus, but she was a lung cancer warrior as mm -hmm. well. And she told me, if you, if that's your diagnosis, you call me and I will be there. Mm. Well, it was, and I did. Yeah. And she came Yeah, and she came. I'll just never forget her and a friend of ours coming through my door and just kind of with vivaciousness mm. and joy. She said, Nancy, girl, you got this taken care of. It, it's wow. all good. Wow. And she sat down beside me and she said, now the truth is everybody's going to die. Mm -hmm. It's just you and I maybe know what's, what's going to cause our death. Right. Well, you, you say in your book that a good coach does not direct his or her team toward comfort. Yes. That, like Mr. Miyagi. Yes. <laughs> so that statement uh -huh. didn't exactly make me jump up and down for joy. Right. Yeah. But it it was what I needed to hear. Mm. And it was true. Yeah. It didn't bring me comfort at the moment. Right. But it was true. So Mel was a good coach for me in mm. this situation. Yeah. 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 That's great. I mean that and I think isn't it isn't it true that often the best coaches are ones who have been on a journey. They, they are ones that either are willing to do something themselves. I mean, I remember when I was first learning soccer, I'd never played soccer before I was in high school. And, um, I had a coach that he, he didn't just tell us what to do. I mean, he was a coach of a small Christian school mm -hmm. soccer program that mm -hmm. had a lot of kids in it that hadn't played soccer before, but they were athletic. So he's like, we're going to make a soccer team, you know? <laughs> And let me teach you how to play soccer. He was in there with us. Like he was showing us, you know, mm -hmm. here's how you, here's how you kick. Here's how you block. Here's, how, you know, all of these different techniques. 
So yeah, I that's wonderful. Um, you said your friend's name was Mel. Yes. And uh, that is a beautiful way for somebody to coach is saying I've, I, I'm with you in this. Yeah. Who who has is there been other people who have been like a coach for you in your life? Well, uh, th- that particular coach, my high school uh, soccer coach, was also my basketball coach, and he played a huge co- coach role in my life. Not just as in sports, yeah. But God used him uh, during a crucial time in my life to really wake me up. I mean, my testimony, if I were to share how I came to Christ and how I turned my life over to him and and really said, God, I'm all yours, my coach was a significant part of that because Mm -hmm. he was somebody who um, he he knew how to get me – like I would listen to him. I had respect for him. And he could get me to run suicides on a basketball court. He could get me to run up hills for soccer practice. And and I, I had a lot of respect for him. I mean, one of the things that, that built our respect for him as young men was uh, during baseball season, um, he said, we're going down to Florida for spring training. Have you guys ever been to Disney World? We're like, no, I, come on. All right, we're getting in a van. We're driving down for spring oh. training. We're like, what? Okay, cool. <laughs> Did so, you? Yeah. So, I mean, he he was like all in there with us wow. as a as a man, as a coach. But then he also knew some of the decisions I was making in my life that weren't good choices. Mm-hmm. And he sat me down one day in his office and he said, Kendall, you know, what are you doing with your life? I mean, he had this rough <laughs> voice and uh, it really woke me up. It was it was exactly the voice that I needed in my life. And uh, awesome. for some people. Death ends up being that coach, that rough voice Mm. that is the wake-up call to say, what are you doing with your life? Is this really what you want to do? So, well, for those who are listening today, I hope our podcast can be a uh, good coach voice in your life. Um, I hope you found today's show thought-provoking and helpful. Next time, Kendall and I will delve into the second chapter of his book titled Hour Two, Seeking Hope. Yeah, we all need hope, uh, especially in this year. Uh, after 2020, uh, <laughs> I think we all could use a little hope in, oh, in, in the coming year. Yes, we could. If you want to read this next chapter for yourself, Kendall's book, Your Last 24, and that's the 24, the number, not the word, can be purchased right now on Amazon.com. That's our show for today. Blessings to you and to those you love. We're glad you have been listening to us talk about living a life that lasts. Now, it's your turn. Courageously, sacrificially, live this week in such a way that your life will be a life that lasts. Mm -hmm.